Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford, the whole crew back on the Eagle Hour today from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. And we are glad you are with us. This segment sponsored by our good buddies down at Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of this show and Southern Miss Athletics. Great catering organization. If you've got an event coming up, uh, maybe a back-to-school function or an office party or planning for your first tailgate, well, Dickey's Barbecue Pit would be the people to call. You can sit back, relax, always, and let Dickey's do the cooking. I got to tell you, though, Bob, and Dickey's, uh, they told us this, that they were asked to cater the Democratic debate last night. Right. But they said, we don't serve bologna. <laughs> so. well, that's that's correct. <laughs> now, Kelly, since I last saw him, has had a birthday and a happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I, I would say that you don't look a bit older, but I don't want to lie on the show. You can't look any no, older no, than I. You're looking pretty old, Kelly. <laughs> but happy birthday to you. Sorry, I, so I'm sorry I had to miss that little soise. Uh, they kind of threw one for you down there at Sully's, didn't they? A that little was, surprise. It was, it was very nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, respecting their elders, I appreciate that. I was going to say it's always kind to help out the elderly, Kelly, and so uh, I think that uh, that's what they were going to do. Patrick McGee's going to be on the show here in a little bit. Later in the show, we're going to we're going to preview the AFC North and the National Football League, and uh, Mr. Sander has some personal interest, uh, and I'm sure some interesting observations about that. That's really your favorite conference in the league, isn't it? Oh, my Bengals are in that division, yeah. and you know what we're going to be saying after Week Two of the NFL season. Just wait till next year. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and break it to you, Kelly. Their pick last. I'm shocked. What are the odds? But first, we want to introduce uh, to our listeners around the state of Mississippi the new assistant head basketball coach for Lady Eagle Basketball. Jack Trosper joins us now on the Eagle Hour. Coach, we're glad to have you in Hattiesburg and glad to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to get to work down here. Well, i got to ask you the first thing. I was reading your bio here. It says you were the head basketball coach, a women's coach, last year for Wabash Valley College, and you all finished 32-1. and You were at 1.18-0 and and uh, ranked number one in the country. What did you do, Coach? What was the magic sauce? Uh, recruit really good kids. Uh, I think that was the magic sauce. I think uh, we played a certain style that was pretty exciting. We were number one in the country in scoring. Uh, we averaged 97 points a game, so we had girls that uh, could play in a really fast system but could also really defend and generate turnovers because we wanted a lot of our offense to be generated off creating turnovers and kind of winning on the glass. Uh, you know, So getting those girls to kind of buy into what we want to do and play that type of speed usually isn't that hard because it's a lot more fun to play fast and try to score 100 points than it is to play slower. So getting our girls to buy into that and then obviously recruiting girls who can play to that system, very athletic, similar to what we have here at Southern Miss now, uh, was able to generate a lot of success for us on that aspect. So in 17-18, you were the assistant coach of that same program that was 30-3. and So what is that, 62-4 and uh, in the last two years? You don't lose much, do you, Coach? It, it, uh, it didn't appear so, and that's just a testament to how hard those girls worked and 
the caliber of girls that we were able to bring in and, and their buy-in to the system that we wanted to do. We pressed, we ran, we played super hard, and we had a lot of good depth. Uh, in the last two years, we had 11 girls move on to the next level collegiately uh, with seven girls moving on this past year. Uh, so we're, we were you know, very fortunate to have a great group of girls who were also good students and good people off the floor as well. So when you have that mix of kids, and you have that kind of buy-in from them, it makes our job very easy. Now, Wabash, it's, it is pronounced Wabash, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, when, is that in Wisconsin? Where? Uh, it's in. It's located in southern Illinois. Okay, so right on the Indiana and Illinois border. Yeah, so gotcha. Here, Evansville, Indiana. So a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a culture shock, huh? Coming from the Midwest to the Deep South, and and how did that happen, Coach? How did you find out about the Lady Eagle opportunity? I'm fortunate to be from Corpus Christi, Texas, so I was then in the South sort of uh, for some time growing up. So it was more of a culture shock going to the Midwest. It's a lot nicer <laughs> down here in the, in, uh, back in the South, so it feels a little more like home, being closer to the water. Um, and then obviously this heat is something I'm very used to, so I'm not too, uh, not too worried about that. Uh, and um, Coach McNellis kind of reached out to me. Um, I had a previous relationship where they're just meeting her on the road, recruiting and different things like that. Um, and so then when we kind of met, we talked, and we, I think we realized our philosophies were uh, the same and kind of how we like to do things and how we like to play was, was very similar. So I think uh, meeting her and then coming down here and getting able to meet the team and the rest of the staff, I think it really fit well from my perspective. And, um, you know, I'm excited to be down here and kind of help us win some games and compete for championships. How, how do you anticipate the, the play at the Division One uh, NCAA level compared to what you were used to at, at Wabash? And take us through that, uh, that process. You know, I think here, obviously at a four-year level, you can really, the details are a lot bigger. The details are a lot different. And then just the quality of players are different because you're dealing with kids that have been in, in college and been in you know, weight rooms and different systems for three, four, five years. When in junior college, it's a lot different. It's a lot, the turnover is a lot more. So just having those things, I think, is going to make things more difficult for us. Just being able to dive into the details, understanding systems better uh, will be different from JUCO just because at the JUCO level, you know, you have a kid for two years, they're in, they're out, and sometimes you only have them for one. Uh, so just having all of that and just basically having a more, maybe a more, more mature teams and um, understanding concepts better. Uh, so that's something that I'm excited about because I'm a pretty analytical person myself. So just being able to dive into the details and really getting into different scouting, uh, you know, different teams and different different things like that. Then obviously skill development over a course of, you know, multiple years where you can kind of see players really grow and develop is something that, you know, I'm excited about as well. Jack Crosper is our guest. He's on the Eagle Hotline with us here, the new assistant head basketball coach for the Lady Eagles basketball squad. Coach, dare I ask, even in the radio in this country today where everybody's trying to be the same, nobody wants to be singing up, but but obviously you're a male in a female sport. Um, does, yeah. that, does that present any particular problems in this new era of, uh, of this country we're living in as opposed to maybe, quote, unquote, back in the day? I don't believe so. I, I mean, I mean, my time in women's basketball, I, I've tried to treat everyone with respect. And I, I think if, if you treat your team and show them that you care and you treat them with respect and you try to you know, teach them values, um, I think that's universal. I don't think that depends on if you're a male or a female. Um, I mean, obviously, I think I can carry a different kind of perspective for them as maybe a father figure or I, I'm pretty young, so I like to count, you know, 
count myself as an older brother. I don't like to be a, counted as a father figure quite yet. Um, but to just kind of give them a different perspective on different, you know, different aspects of their life and just try to help them grow as people um, and try to mold them to be, you know, ready to go in, in, in the real world whenever that degree, you know, comes after they get that bachelor. So I don't think there's a big difference for me. I mean, I've always, I've always been very, try to be very respectful, but then also we try to be very relatable with them as well. I, I totally get being a little bit younger. I, I totally get it. And that makes sense. And this might be a sociology paper waiting to happen, but I wonder why at the <laughs> collegiate level, we don't see more women being named coaches of men's teams. You know, that's a great question, but uh, I think the beautiful thing that is happening now in the NBA is taking a large stance on it. I think Greg Popovich was a great um, in kind of doing that. Um, it's just you can see it starting to happen more now, um, and I think it'll, it'll probably start slow, but I think once you start seeing the success that women can have in those male sports, I think you're going to start seeing more and more women uh, being hired, and I think that'll be great for the sport because in the game of basketball, it's all about understanding concepts and all of those different things, and you know, everybody has, you know, a, fifth, a 15 foot from the free throw line, 10 foot from the goal, uh, you know, and then just being able to relate to players and being able to understand concepts and being able to relay your message to them so that they can understand what you are trying to tell them, um, I think is very important. And I think women can do it just as well as men can, and no matter if it's a men's sport or a women's sport. All right, Coach, just one minute left. You made a comment earlier that you had talked to Coach McNellis. The truth is, Coach McNellis did most of the talking. Are we, are we correct about that, Coach? <laughs> well, you know, I, I can get going if you let me talk long enough. So I think our conversations have gone pretty well back and forth. Uh, but, you know, as, as smart and as wise as she is and how long she's been in the game, any knowledge I can pull from her, I know I will gladly take as much as I possibly can. Well, i got to tell you, we all love her greatly on this show, and she's one of our very favorite people. And what we love about her is we can bring her on the show, we can ask her a question, and she can fill up the segment for us, and, and just makes it real easy. We don't have to work very hard when she's here. Yeah, yeah it takes a little off your plate for a little while. That, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Hey, welcome to Southern Miss, and we really appreciate you coming on the show. We, uh, As we say, we have great, great respect and love for Coach McNellis and her program, and we'll look forward to talking to you more and, and following uh, you as uh, you get your basketball team back on the floor. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you letting me come on and um, to all the fans out there, we're excited for this year. You know, we'd love to see everyone in Hattiesburg and the community come out and support these ladies. Uh, we got a chance to see them play a little bit, um, you know, and, and I've heard great things. So I'm very excited about that, you know, so the midst of the top. All right, Coach Jack Trosper, everybody, the new assistant head basketball coach for Lady Eagle Basketball. All right, we're going to go to the coast when we come back, get Luke involved in the conversation because we're going to talk about fall football practice kicking off for the Golden Eagles next on the Eagle Hour. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. Broadcasting today from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. 
They're getting in the football stuff, and uh, you can check it out down on Hardy Street. New stuff arriving every day. I'm sure they got sales on spring and summer stuff that they're trying to move out now to get ready for the fall. You can check them out online, of course, at campusbookmart.net. I want to thank uh, Jack Trosper for coming on the show in the first segment, new assistant head basketball coach for Lady Eagle Basketball. It's Thursday. Let's go down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Patrick McGee is just putting out an article today about fall football practice at Southern Miss. Patrick, what can you tell our listeners about the kickoff of football season? Well, it was kind of interesting talking with Jay Hobson this past weekend at the Beach Bash. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of what we expect. It's just one of those things where Southern Miss has a bunch of guys back uh, on defense. It's going to be a uh, I think everybody expects that unit to hold up, but I think all eyes are going to be on offense in really all areas. At quarterback, the state widely make a push at running back. You know who kind of stands out there. Offensive line, how's that coming together? And at receiver, you know it's uh, you got seven or eight guys that are capable of being starters. So uh, there's probably going to be at least a couple of guys that are kind of you know are left on the sideline a little bit more than they would like. So a lot of things to be decided on offense while on defense. Maybe you have a little bit better picture. Uh, but maybe where do you fit in a Torrance Brown or a Terry Whittington at defensive end? Uh, who's going to get more playing time among those guys? So a lot of things to be decided here in the fall camp, especially on offense. Luke, get in here. Patrick, uh, offensive line, obviously, uh, what, where they have to improve. Able to sign guys like Hathorne and Johnson, uh, who were former Power 5 players. Word on the street is that Pollard looks a whole lot better, shed some of that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, are, do you see any of the, the JUCO guys coming in instantly and be and being plugged in? Yeah, I think so. I think we saw that in the spring. I think it was Kalik Washington. Uh, that really stepped in and, and, and played well at one of the tackle positions. I think it was left tackle, maybe right tackle. Uh, so, yeah, I think Hawthorne and Johnson will both uh, – they're both very tall, very long, uh, big guys, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, around 300 pounds, 300 pounds plus. Uh, it's just – Southern Miss just gets that much bigger on the offensive line with the addition of those guys. And uh, guys like Pollard uh, knew they had to work really hard this summer to get in shape. Uh, if Pollard steps in, you know, fit and ready to go, uh, you know, I, I think this offensive line is going to be that much better just in terms of overall depth. I think, you know, I heard some other people uh, talking last year. They just looked at the Southern Miss line and Southern Miss offensive line and maybe some other positions and said they just didn't look all that, you know, they didn't look that big or that in shape. So uh, uh, during during the, the new strength coach, I think if he, if he gets guys like Pollard to respond, I think that's going to make a big difference for the offensive line. Regarding them also, Clopton and Dorbeck, who set out uh, the spring, uh, Clopton, has, I think, has uh, great intangibles as a center. He's put on some weight. Dorbeck's always a mountain out there at tackle. They're fully back, ready to go for fall camp, correct? Yeah. Uh, Jay Hobson said everybody's ready to go on that offensive line. So uh, you've got maybe nine guys that you're pretty confident putting on the field as long as the Juco guys hold up. Uh, and then, you know, great best is maybe kind of – Develop some depth at center with getting a lot of time back in the spring, get some playing time a year ago. So, overall, you know, there, there's no reason this offensive line should make a significant leap forward, uh, but you just don't know what you're going to get until you get into the meat of fall camp and into the season. So, uh, a lot right. to be proven there on offensive line. One one more question for me: um, the guys that they will open the uh, you know the holes for Mosley's probably obviously your one back. Has has, has yeah. Faulkner? 
uh, Walden or Stanchek, have they talked about Steven Anderson's role? Is it going to be expanded? Have they have they hinted at how they're going to use him? I think if we keep him on the sidelines as much as last year, it's just kind of a waste. Yeah, not, not yet. Uh, we'll, they'll be addressed here in fall camp. But I, I think you can see yeah, – I, I think you're right that Mosley be your number one just because he's the more versatile back. I think Steven Anderson is capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. But I think Mosley does everything pretty well. And I think we saw glimpses of him really kind of stepping up and – and I think, you know, if you look back on his freshman year compared to Edo Smith, not comparing him to Edo really overall, uh, but he had a better freshman season than Edo Smith at his freshman year. So I think Mosley is only only going to get better with time, and I see him as somewhat of kind of an Edo-type back, not a shifty. Uh, but Steven Anderson, I, I just see him being that number two running back. Uh, maybe they use him in short yardage situations a little bit more. I think that's probably got to be the idea. I know some Southern Miss fans were frustrated with that last year. Uh but yeah, we'll talk to Faulkner and see if maybe he sees a specific role for, for Anderson, but I think he, he and Mayberry will be in contention to get those carries behind uh, the Mosley. Patrick, I want to ask a baseball question. Coach Barry, of course, has been uh, chasing his tail, getting a staff you know, in place after losing not one but, but two coaches. That now apparently put to bed. Uh, back on the, the subject of potential turf for Hill Denson Field, uh, at Pete Taylor Park. Has, has that uh, discussion gained any legs, or where do we stand on that at this point? Uh, you know, just talking a little bit with Jeremy McLean last week, he was optimistic about it. They're trying to, uh, uh, you know, get get the ball rolling there and then get all the money in place. They're working towards making it happen. So uh, I think whenever Scott Berry first mentioned it after the season, uh, you kind of, you know, wonder if that's going to be, be a possibility. But I think everybody in the athletic department is working towards making it a possibility. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's not a small sum of money. It's, what, $1.3 million. That's no small sum. Uh, so they've got their work cut out, you know, cut out for them. But it's, it's, a, it's a real possibility to maybe have that installed uh, get the money together and have it installed after fall practice. And I wonder if it's—I wonder if that could be like a two-tier process or a phase one, phase two. Maybe phase one do the infield, you know, turf the infield. Although what's been most problematic about Pete Taylor Park has outfield. been, yeah, has been the drainage in the, the outfield. outfield. So they may want to make the outfield phase one and <clears throat> go to phase two. I would imagine that any type of plan is on the table. Yes. Yeah, I, I think they would rather all do it at, at once. I haven't really talked to them about that, but I think it's something where Barry, you know, they seem optimistic that they can make this happen. Uh, I don't see it being a piecemeal thing. I, I think they'll probably try to get this all done at once. Patrick, I got a question for you based on an article that I saw uh, you published this week. Uh, Fifteen kids on the Gulf Coast with D1 football offers. Only yeah. six of those 15 offered by Southern Miss. I found that surprising if you've got that kind of talent right at your back door. Isn't it a good thing to try to recruit locally uh, for fan support? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think it was. I think I, maybe I didn't list an offer for, for Jaden Wally. He has a Southern Miss offer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinley Jackson does as well. So there was a couple of more guys that maybe they're not in the mix for, but uh, a couple of guys they've offered in the past. In terms of, say, you know, rising juniors or guys going younger. Uh, Southern Miss is going to offer guys unless they really think they've been disciplined. But the, the thing I, I'm kind of scratching my head on right now is, is the way the South Alabama is holding out, you know, giving out offers in, in this part of the state. It's almost like Southern Miss does in Florida. Uh, I mean, Southern Miss really goes after Florida hard, and and uh, now you got South Alabama really beating the bushes in South Mississippi. So. It's one of those things that Southern Miss definitely has to keep in mind, and they're fully aware of that Southern that South Alabama is trying to get in on the turf. 
Mm. Uh, not that, you know, this isn't saying that every kid that South Alabama offers that Southern Miss thinks they fit into their system. Uh, so it, it's one of those things you want, where you want to identify the right talent, and you're not just going to offer just anybody unless you're offering if, unless you're Southern Miss offering everything in the state of Florida. And, and, uh, I, and I do want to further that point that Patrick just said because when Travis Creel was on the show, you know, the recruiting coordinator for the baseball Golden Eagles, he said what a lot of times people don't understand in the recruiting process is. We're not just because we don't offer a guy doesn't mean we don't think he can play. It's just maybe right. what position he plays, we don't have an immediate need for. Right. You know, right. and and sometimes that is a piece of the puzzle that the fan base forgets about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy might be a good player, but I've already got three right tackles. You know, that right. are that are good ones waiting to play. So, and again, that's that's not a blanket excuse for not recruiting guys. But I'm saying it is a part of the equation. You agree with right, that? Pat? Part of it, yeah, part, well, part, yeah, yeah, and that's part of the point I was going to make. A lot of the guys at South Alabama has offered are offensive linemen, and we all we've all seen how many guys offensive linemen that Southern Miss has signed in the last year. Uh, so they've kind of loaded up at that position. It's not really a position of need at the moment. So it's one of those things where Southern Miss is going to identify the guys they can, uh, but you know. It's, you know, it's Southern Miss is it, it, no program in the nation offers more scholarships than Southern Miss when it comes to football. Hmm. Uh, it was proven in a study just based on offers in the state of Florida and I think reaching out to Texas. Uh, Southern Miss sees the offer as an opportunity to kind of get themselves in and promote themselves in certain communities. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what Southern Miss does from here on out, but it is surprising maybe some of these guys think Southern Miss offers. All right, last question. You you were at the at the fan deal down there this past weekend. I, yeah. Did you walk away thinking we're going to see a, a quarterback competition right up until the day before the opening season? Well, Jay Hobson will make it one because he never admits it. <laughs> right. He 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 will he will you know he'll let that thing play out. Uh, yeah, I mean I think Whiteley will be given a chance to compete. He was showed some promise in the spring, uh, but at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to. Not notice Abraham's a little bit more steady hand, uh, a little bit more veteran guy. So it would be surprising. If, uh, I think I considered, you know, called it somewhat of an upset if Abraham's not your starting quarterback game one. Uh, but I, I again, I, I think both guys probably get on the field in, in Watley and Abraham. All right, Pat. As always, man, we appreciate your insight. Look forward to having you back on the show soon. All right, have a good one. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, our go-to guy uh, for all news, uh, Southern Miss sports-related. When we come back, the AFC North. Woohoo! We're going to tell you who's going to win it and who's going to lose it on the Eagle Hour. Bengals to the bottom. <laughs> Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Thursday, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium. 
Great specials, weekly specials, Tuesday night special, 65-cent wings uh, until the start of football season. So be sure to swing by, see our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Take advantage of uh, their, their specials. Great place to go, great place to hang out, and you can always see if you can beat Kelly Sander in trivia. Bob, Kelly, and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. What's your winning streak, by the way, Kelly? In uh, trivia? Well, they, yeah. you know, they, well, they've shut it at, at Fourth Street. They've shut it down until the academic year. But um, but it's gotten to the point where when I show up, people just say they really don't want me to show up on trivia night because people just <laughs> oh, walk God. away and say I have it no chance. Increases alcohol sales. Oh, you know. Right. Thanks for opening that door, Luke. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Fourth Street Bar and Grill has a chicken thigh sandwich. Ooh. Yeah. That you have. That you <laughs> bracing myself. Pretty doggone good. No, You're I'm serious. I'm serious. A chicken thigh sandwich. I think it was their. Might have been. Might be their Tuesday special. Might be their Wednesday special. But. It's I thought that was like a normal chicken sandwich. I mean, I thought that's what no, it was. No, the chicken sandwich is normal. The skinless chicken breast and all the vegans and stuff. Well, no, vegans wouldn't. Uh, but I mean, you people who are very health conscious. But this... This is something, the chicken thigh sandwich is something that marches straight to the heart, buddy. (laughs) Something your cardiologist would love. (laughs) You're you're not becoming one of those health conscious people? Uh, No, he's not. Well, every once in a while I'll slip. You know, if you taste that chicken thigh sandwich, you'll uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Chicken thigh sandwich, I'll have to check that out. You will, man. You'll love it. All right. Today, Bob, the AFC North. North. The North. Let's start, guys. With the Cincinnati Bengals, new head football coach Zach Taylor, a team that's had a lot of offensive line problems in the last couple of years. They do have a veteran quarterback, lost a real uh, all-pro veteran linebacker in uh, was Vontez Burkett, that is thing? Vontez Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Cincinnati, Kelly, uh, NFL.com predicts them to finish last in the conference. What do you say? Next, we talk about the Baltimore Ravens. No, of course Cincinnati's going to finish last. I mean, Zach Taylor was a quarterback coach. He's a quarterback coach with the Rams. He used to be the head football coach at the University of Cincinnati where he had a losing record. Now, they all talk about him being this, this wunderkind, you know, the next Sean McVay. But their, their, number one, their number one draft pick, Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman from Alabama, of course, they draft him, I don't know, 11th pick in the draft. Two weeks later, tears a pectoral muscle, is out for the year. Mm-hmm. They, the very first day of practice, A.J. Green, their all-pro nine-year receiver, breaks his ankle. Um, so the Bengals have no chance. You know, uh, Luke, if you, there's a little bit of trivia about Cincinnati. They're the only team in the league that their quarterback's hair matches the color of the uniform. Ah, that, Andy Dalton. Yeah. yeah, Kelly, you know, Dalton – Dalton's not a bad quarterback. I was looking at some of his stats. You know, there's only been okay. last year. I think was the only time in his. Yeah, I'm serious. I know it you was are. The only time in his career that he didn't throw for over three thousand yards, and he was hurt last year. It just seems like they, they just, apart from AJ Green, and they used to have the law firm of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. There, there really hasn't been you know much to of of a supporting cast around Andy Dalton. Now, see, I would disagree with that. I mean, they've, they've had some, you know, great wide receivers. Chad Ochocinco and, and uh, T.J. Hushmanzada. And now they've got, you know, Tyler Boyd out of Pitt that they just, that they just extended his contract. A.J. Green has been a great target. Tyler Eifert, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Plenty, plenty of targets. They've got Joe Mixon in the backfield. You know, you mentioned Ben Jarvis, you know, Green Ellis. They've, they've had, 
you know, players, part of the problem is they play in the AFC North. When you got the perennial yeah. powerhouses of Pittsburgh and Baltimore have been really good. Cleveland now is an upstart team. And part of the reason the stinking Patriots win the Super Bowl every year is because they play in the awful AFC East, where the Dolphins stink, the Jets stink, the Bills stink. I mean, just whoever in that division stinks. And they get to play all those teams twice. So they always get home field advantage. Right, anyway, I know down. we're – all right, down. okay. Calm let's down. just drop it, okay? All right, yeah. let's move on. Baltimore <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, uh, Joe Flacco's gone. Lamar Jackson, he's the new man. Uh, they lost Terrell Suggs and Eric Weddle, so they lost some pretty big defensive names. Uh, they do pick up Mark Ingram from the Saints. Uh, Luke, how do you see the Baltimore Ravens? Well – we were talking about it off air. L- Lamar Jackson is one of those guys, and you've got to ask yourself: Is he, you know, another Robert Griffin III? Uh, I was I was doing some statistics. Very interesting. When you look at Michael Vick, because we can think about the most effective, uh, you know, running throwing quarterback probably in the history of the NFL or in the last twenty years has been Michael Vick. So Vick's rushing to throwing uh, ratio uh, was somewhere maybe around thirty percent last year. Jackson almost ran as much as he threw the ball. I mean, I'm talking about like 170 passes, 147 rushes. I just don't think that that is uh, – you, you can continue that in how hard it is, especially the AFC North, one of the hardest-hitting divisions in the NFL. So the question is going to be, is Jackson going to force his game or is he going to adapt his game? They get Ingram. That establishes you know some running stuff. Marquise uh, Brown is back. Interesting about the Ravens. They've not had a 1,000 1000- – uh, yard uh, receiver since 2016. That's probably why Flacco, you know, went to Denver. So it's going to be, you know, can Jackson? He, he's pretty accurate, uh, but but can he adjust his game in the hardest hitting division in football? When you have an inexperienced quarterback like though, they usually their their biggest weakness is they won't let the receivers, they won't let the patterns develop. They're too quick to pull the football down and run and of course then you talk about durability when you're getting hit by guys that are as big strong as fast as these guys in the nfl and you're a quarterback that's not what the team wants they do not want the quarterback running that much you're just opening yourself up to just get clobbered right so all right kelly the pittsburgh steelers lose antonio brown uh levion bell morgan burnett they lose a lot of really good players They've got, obviously, a very experienced quarterback coming back. But they, they were not that great last year. Uh, have we seen the have – have we kind of seen a decline of the Pittsburgh Steelers? There was a question as, as to whether Mike Tomlin was going to get fired at the end of last mm-hmm. year. And, of course, they did renew his contract, albeit for just one year. So I know that's a reasonable question. And the same question will be asked of the Patriots when Tom Brady finally retires. Right. You know, But, look, you guys know, and it, it, the more and more rules that come out to protect the quarterback as long as Roethlisberger's there you know the Steelers are going to be formidable more and more in the NFL it's all about the quarterback position and he's rock solid he has has he has had an injury here or there but generally pretty durable and the Steelers are the Steelers right. they have a reputation they're tough they're rugged um, downright dirty sometimes but but you're right. They're they get, the Steelers. They get it done. Yeah. All right. The the sweetheart of the league, according to the media, is the Cleveland Browns. Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt joined the Browns. Five new defensive starters on the Browns team. Todd Munkin is the offensive coordinator. Baker Mayfield, one of the bright young stars in the National Football League. Guys, I'll start with you, Luke. Are the Cleveland Browns going to make the big splash that the media seems to think they're going to make? 
All you have to know is Todd Munkin had the third best offense last year in the dumpster fire of Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis. I get free seafood, Winston. Okay, <laughs> like so. If 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 Munkin can do that, he's not going to have Hunt for six games, obviously, but he's going to have Duke Johnson. You got uh, arguably top three uh, to five receiver in the NFL. You got Miles Garrett on defense. And Baker Mayfield just has the it factor. I, I, it, it, Cleveland's one of these teams where they're they're young enough, which means they're dumb enough to think they can take on anybody and anywhere. And what happens is when you start getting some momentum with those guys, they catch fire. Kelly, wouldn't it be good to see the Cleveland Browns do well? Yes, but it won't happen. You don't think? No, I, and, and I don't even have to play devil's advocate with Luke's opinion here. And I'll tell you why Cleveland will not win the division. The same reason that Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, Cleveland is Cleveland. You have to learn how to win in this league. The Bengals haven't figured it out. They've had a couple of winning years, but they can't win a playoff game. The Browns, playoff game, playoffs? Playoffs? Mm-hmm. The Browns haven't been there since Jimmy Carter was president. All right, so to say that they're going to go from, you know, dead last to win in the division, steps. Right. Steps. I don't think. I think Pittsburgh yeah, will win the division. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think a wild card is a is a very very good possibility. You know, because I mean, when you but when you do have young guys, the the vets tend tend to win like that. But I mean, I I just I can hear Hanford Dixon just like just making faces at you right now. I can just see that Kelly, <laughs> because I really I really think that Munkin is going to be you know almost like this new Captain Marvel movie. He felt like in Tampa he was fighting with one arm tied behind his back. I mean, I, I just think you're going to see a offensive explosion in Cleveland, and because of Munkin's creativity, because of Baker May field's playmaking ability and there's weapons everywhere i hope you're right i hope you're right but but i've just you know it there have been other times that teams have been lined up like this and it hasn't happened and they just they have to learn how to win so you know yeah i mean they're going to be improved clearly all right let's go around the horn real quick i say when all the dust settles in the afc north the pittsburgh steelers stay on top kelly i agree steelers number one luke browns Browns. We've got one for the Browns, Browns. and two for the black and, black and uh, yellow, right? And all three of us, I'm sure, consensus that the Bengals will bring up the rear. There we go. We'll yes. be right back. Eagle Hour continues after this. Goldport Home Center brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every day, and you can go see them for the best selection and inventory of new and used manufactured housing in Mississippi. You can always go on their website, gulfporthomecenter.ms, and check out uh, their new and used inventory. Gulfport Home Center, more room for you. 
more room for your family. Well, yesterday we told you uh, head softball coach Brian Levin had announced uh, a new assistant coach. I want to talk a little more about uh, the, the new assistant coach. Uh, her name is uh, Devin Lowe. She was known uh, as Devin Brown, is, was her maiden name, and I was talking, guys, last night with Chris Robinson, who's the head softball coach at Jones College in Ellisville, and, man, he was just bragging about how good she was. Uh, she played for South Alabama, finished up actually last uh, year in 2018, uh, was the number one overall draft pick in the 2019 ASBA draft, uh, so played one year professionally and uh, is now going to coach, and she will basically uh, be specifically for a pitching staff. So you're, you, you've got the way that, that Coach Levin is lined out. He, he was a very good coach uh, where he was at Belmont. Then he brings in, as his assistant coach, uh, basically the equivalent of scout.com for softball, so connections everywhere. And then you get one of the best collegiate pitchers in the country as your pitching coach. And so, I mean, uh, everything lining a right uh, for uh, the Lady Eagle softball team. So we'll have to get uh, Coach Devin Lowe on in in a few weeks and welcome her to, to Southern Miss. Guys, we were talking we were talking off uh, off air about uh, it looks like season tickets uh, for for football going pretty well. We're being told a lot are buying online and so the ticket office announced today that you can actually purchase single game tickets. Uh, forty dollars for a lower lower level, twenty dollars for an upper level. Uh, and then youth prices are under that. No, you, I don't know if you can, you know, get in Kelly Suite for for a single. No, game. he doesn't allow you. Uh, but group way. tickets available, <laughs> no. and uh, all that's available today. Well, I tell you what, how he much did, are your tickets? By what, the way, what he did do regarding tickets, Luke. He during the break brought up the idea of, of buying tickets for all four of us, and uh, let's go to a Saints game on Kelly. Kelly's willing to. Man. Kelly's willing to. Sp- I want lower level now. I don't, I don't want to. No, you didn't hear exactly what I said. Oh. I said, "Wouldn't it be nice if I were to do that, Bob?" Oh, I see. Get <laughs> the Sandman. I, I'm going to say that's a no. I just said, "Wouldn't what, it be nice?" <laughs> what, wouldn't it be nice if Dalton bought Bob's car for forty five thousand dollars? Then, then I'd buy. Then now. I'd buy the tickets. Is there any chance I can get in the suite for one game this year? If you, if you forget about that that uh, that night a couple of months ago oh, with, yeah. with the Alka Seltzer tablets and all yeah, that, yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah. If, how can I forget about you that? You conveniently forget Kelly. about that. Yeah. Perhaps there's a chance. Many questions now, yeah. which is sure exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to throw them wings down to me though, like you have in past years, right? <laughs> Usually, I try not to even acknowledge that you guys are I there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've yeah. noticed that. Well, <laughs> Kelly's treating it like don't it feed happens. the birds. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. Had you, Luke? He is not real. Friendly, I have, but apartment. a couple of nights ago, really, I was I was out on the town in Hattiesburg and and ran into some Southern Miss students um, who are you know they're they're now starting to slowly you know get back onto campus whether it's because of the band or you know the volleyball team what have you but some of the students who who I talked to readily admitted that they weren't hardcore football fans mm-hmm. but they said and and the reason I I mentioned the fact that they were not hardcore football fans is they came up and said. I really think we're going to be good this year. Mm. You know, and, the, and these are from students who normally don't take an active part in being a football fan. So they're even, I get the impression that even amongst themselves, even among the students that are not your traditional football fans, are excited about the potential that this team brings to the field. Got to run the football. Got to block and run the football and be more consistent offensively, throw the ball better. 
catch the ball better. Defensively, I think the team's fine, but uh, got to get better offensively. But that first four games, I mean, tell, it's going to tell the tale. Particularly that Troy oh, game, you're going to know because you know how the fan base is. Well, you're going to know. You know, you go one and three there and come back, and you might let us in the suite because you might be the only person in it. <laughs> hey, hey, it's too early to talk about this, but you think you you look at the second game of the season. Mississippi State without a returning quarterback losing very a lot on defense. What if you just emerged after those four games three and one? What just what if? That'd be just in, what if. In the words of Chris Farley, the old Chris Farley teacher, that's that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And look, it, forget it's Mississippi State. If you're going to play good teams. That's when you want to play them. Yeah. Is that the beginning of the year before they've hit their full stride and really know what they've got going? Oh yeah, right. So, and it is. A, it's we an have inst- to lose. We have to lose the Alabama game because I can't be out however much money Bob wants. Correct. In state rivalry. In state rivalries. Sometimes you know they played Mississippi State pretty hard. You know, last time they played. Played so, well. Yeah, that was the first sign I saw that Todd Munkin had turned the program around in a loss, but. It was a different football team than what we had seen the year before. So I don't. I I know you're kind of you're cautiously optimistic there, Luke. But I don't. And it would be a little bit of a stretch. Mississippi State. But it's it's possible. Talking about playing Oklahoma or Alabama, you are talking about Mississippi State. They haven't exactly set the SEC on fire in the last ten years. No, but they're pretty good. I mean, Uh, particularly last year. Yeah, they are. There's no question about it. But uh, anyway, we'll see, right? Real quick, where can you hear the Eagle Hour? You can hear us on Spotify, on Stitcher, Google Play Music, the iTunes podcast app, and on supertalk.fm. Think about those tickets, Kelly. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.